0: Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. Today's message from special guest, Danielle Brownlee, for the love of God. So today is is not just uh, the week before Easter, it's Palm Sunday. And we're not. I don't have any palm branches or anything like that. But the significance of Palm Sunday, if you don't understand that, maybe you've seen it on your on your calendar, and you're like, I don't really know what that is. Um, But what Palm Sunday is is it is it is when uh, Jesus was was entering into the city of Jerusalem, and he was welcomed. This light is killing me, Smalls. I don't know how you do this every week. I'm not going to look at you guys very much because it's a little bit hard. Um, But it, it was Jesus entering into the city, and he was welcomed. He was cheered. He was applauded. They waved palm branches, Hosanna. And isn't it crazy to think that like a week later, he died for us. But three days later, he rose again, right? But isn't it crazy? The story doesn't usually go like that. When somebody's coming into the city and we're cheering and we're excited about it, it's not usually at the end of the week he's dead. And maybe if the story goes like that, it's probably because he did something horribly wrong. But Jesus did everything the opposite of that. And so um, right now before I start, I just want to pray and I want to celebrate in this place. We don't have palm branches and Jesus isn't walking down the city to us. But his presence is here and I want to celebrate his presence today here and in our lives. So if you would just bow your head with me and we're going to do that as we open. Dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, just to be emptied and filled By you, Lord, I pray it every week for Justin that you would empty him of everything that is him, Lord, and fill him everything that is you, and I pray that for myself this morning that I would get out of the way, that you would be able to do something here, as we know you have us here for a reason, that you would be able to do something in spite of me and in spite of anything that I would say. May I say everything that you want me to say, and may I forget to say everything that I'm not supposed to say, Lord, and I just ask that you would be here and be honored today, that you would... That you would help us to experience your presence, Lord, as as Palm Sunday was celebrated so so long ago that day happened, Lord. But that today we would celebrate your presence, Lord. And it wouldn't be just something we do on Sundays or just this Sunday. But that every single day we would experience your presence and celebrate, Lord, your presence in our lives, Lord. We thank you for what you'll do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this series, For the Love of, right? we, We started week one with For the Love of Pete. And we, we looked at the life of Peter um, and his imperfect obedience and his, his response that even though it doesn't make sense, he said, because you said so, I will. So that was for the love of Pete. And then week two, it was for the love of the game. And we looked again a little bit more at the life of Peter. Spoiler alert, we're going to look at Peter a little bit again today. Um, and it was him walking on the water. And we kind of saw that from a little bit of a different perspective. We, we focused on how hard it is to see Jesus when all we can look at is us and when all we can see is us. And then last week we looked at for the love of money and we talked about um, kingdom-minded living and how that is, that is a giving mentality. Kingdom-minded living is a giving mentality. And so the Bible was clear about that in scripture. And, and today I get to talk about for the love of God. And there's a lot of pressure with that because I I told Justin, I said, man, it stinks because this stuff's all about Jesus and I want to try to tie Jesus and everything in there to all this before Easter. But man, God and Jesus, it's all the same. It's a little confusing, right? So we're going to talk about God and we're going to talk about Jesus today. Um, So as as we look at scripture today, we're going to look at the visible love of God. Um, It's an example that he set for us and and he's kind of going to talk to us about how to show it, how to see it and how to understand it. Everyone say with me, love. love. Say it like you mean it, say love. love, love. Showing visible love. So love is this thing that ties everything that we as Christians say we believe, right? It, love is the thing that ties all of that together. Love should be where we start, our starting point, and love should be where we end, it should be our finishing line. Love is gonna guarantee that we're not gonna fail. Love is the thing that guarantees us that we are not going to fail. So showing visible love. The passage that I want to read and draw from this morning, it's found in the book of John chapter 13. You can look at it in your Bibles. Um, I don't even think what I'm going to read is the same version that's on the screen. So if you just want to listen to me, I'll give you a pretty story voice. And so you can just listen if you want to do that. Um, But the Bible says in in chapter 13, verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival And Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Some versions say that Jesus was now going to show the disciples this full extent of his love. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And the story does continue. There's more conversation. There's kind of debate. um, And Jesus tries to use this moment as a teaching moment. And ultimately, he commands his disciples to do for one another as he has done for them. So he's showing them how to do this. Later on in that chapter, if you look at verse 34, it says, So a new commandment I give to you, love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another so this idea of love it's not it's not like a man idea it's not just a good idea a sweet idea it's not just a current churchy idea It's an eternal kingdom idea and he lays it out for us here. It's this value that allows us as a church to go out and to be what God has called us to be because that's what he told us. By this, we will be known by how we love. He didn't say anything else. All these other things that we get so stressed out and focused on, he said nothing about that here. He doesn't want us to be known by anything but his love. He wants us to be marked by that. At this place in scripture He's coming in on a landing on his earthly ministry. He's been here, he's been hanging out with these guys that have become his best friends for three and a half years. But you know, he had a bunch of stuff on his mind because he knew that the cross was just around the corner. He knew that Calvary was about to occur. He he knew that the church was just about to be launched. Jesus was in a season of urgency. And maybe you're here today and you are also in a season of urgency. Maybe it's not the cross for you but maybe it seems just as heavy as the cross. And so what Jesus does is he pulls the disciples together and he he tries to break it down so clearly for them what their life should really be all about. So he finds himself at this evening meal, and this is important, I want you to catch this. He recognizes there that he was going back to the Father. See, he had come from the Father and he knew who the Father was. It's gonna say it on the screen, I want you to get this. He knew who the father's because he knew who the Father was, he knew who he was. Because he knew who the Father was, he knew who he was. And so he would remove himself from that evening meal and come back with this basin of water. And he would start to wash his disciples' feet. It shocked his friends Be- in doing so, he's, he's teaching them this lesson, and he kind of knows they're going to be shocked. But this lesson wasn't me- meant to be made just then to those disciples. It was to be resonating with us to this day, to learn from it, and we're going to learn from it today. As he's doing this, he gets them to listen, and in turn, he brings this commandment that we talked about in verse 34, this heavenly declaration. It's this new commandment to all of his friends, to his disciples, to his followers, to anyone who declares themselves as a Christian, this is what I want you to hear, he says, love one another. Just as I am loving you here in this situation, so I want you to love one another. And by this, everyone would know that you are my disciples. If you can show this kind of love that Jesus was showing, you're gonna be marked as his, you're going to be marked as one of his because of this love. I love that. I love that thought that it doesn't take anything else. I don't have to wear a t-shirt. I don't have to wear a special bracelet. I don't have to give an Easter invite out. I just have to love. And then I'm marked by that. And somebody can say about me, she's different. She's marked. There's, she's branded. There, there is something about her. And that's what he tells us. If we believe what the Bible says, that's the truth. So why, why do we not do that? Why do we not want to be marked? Why do we not love for that reason? That would, that would be something that, that, would, that would show that we are genuine. A lot of people, you know, they're like, I don't want to be fake. I just want to be real. Sometimes we're mean because we're like, well, I just want to be real. I don't want to try to fake. You know, like, um, you know, like I'm not going to pretend. I, I hate that. But, I, you know, it's true. I probably do that sometimes too. I'm going to tell them how it is because I, I do not want to be fake. I just do not want to do that. I want to be real. Well, well, are we really Christians? Do we, do we really love Jesus? Because it's going to come out in every single thing. It's not, it's not about our skill. It's not about how well we can sing, how well we can speak, how well we can work, how hard we can work, how many hours we can work, how many things we can check off of our to-do list. It has nothing to do with any of that. How smart you are, how dumb you are. It's all about love. And this would would not only be our distinctive, but it would be our declaration to the world because Jesus said, if you would learn to love each other, then the world would take notice. The whole world would know that you are my disciples if you would have love for one another. In other words, what Jesus is saying is genuine, authentic Jesus love is the most powerful force towards revival in this world. It's not the best preacher. You got a good one. It's not the coolest lights or the coolest red keyboard. It's a cool one. It's not all this stuff, all the programs, all the things we can do, our ability to leverage social media, how many likes we get, how many friends we have. What is going to cause us to share the love of God that transforms and changes and saves this world is our ability to ensure that love is always blooming inside of us. It's always blooming inside of us. It's by this everyone would know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So you wanna be sure that you're this authentic, card-carrying, 100% member of, church of the church of Jesus, that you're, you're this great Christian. Well, it can be told by how much you have love in your lives. You wanna know how to tell your friends, how to show your friends who Jesus is? You want to spread the good news, the gospel that God called us to and declared us to do. How do you do that? You have to love one another. That's what Jesus said, and it's simple. He was very simple. It was pure. It was clear. It was this new commandment that I give to you, and it's kind of like, that's a new thing because we've been hearing it forever. But I'm going to go ahead and say, we've been hearing it forever. Are we doing it? I think we still need this new thing. We still need to pick up on that so let's make it really easy. It's, it's three words, love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. If you do that, the whole world will begin to take notice if you have love for one another. It sounds easy, right? Yeah, nod your head. Talk to me, talk to me. Mm-hmm. Sounds easy, but I don't think it's as simple as it sounds here on these pages and in scripture. You see, I think most people, if you've been around church for a while, you would say, yeah, I recognize that. Love is what Kind of everything's about, it's the key. Most of the New Testament is about love. Most people, maybe even who haven't been around church, they'd say, yeah, well, the church is about love. Or maybe you have a bad picture where the church wasn't about love for you. I'm sorry, because I'm a part of the church and the church is about love. And if you've been burned by that, I'm glad you're here today because this church is not gonna burn you because we're gonna love you no matter who you are. We are committed to that. And that is a value of who we are at Anchor Church. I would say that living out loud in love like Jesus is challenging. I don't know about you, but for me, that's hard. It's a hard thing to say, hey, I'm defined by love. Everything about me, people just know that I love. Greed, not a problem. Ego, no biggie, that's an easy one. Being about me, right, that's, that's easy. I'm an expert of those things, but living a life that's marked by love, the whole world would take notice of it? That's a greater challenge. Another challenge for us that this this word love that Jesus was talking about is that it's a specific kind of love. So we live in this day and age where love is a very generic or it's this broad general term. In other words, when Jesus said that this kind of love, it would mark your life, this kind of love would carry this gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth, this kind of love is a very specific love. And what's happened over 2,000 years is that this word love has become very diluted. It's just a ho-hum, kind of an ordinary, everyday word. Every song you hear, every book you read, every movie you watch, every TV series that you're addicted to, they seem to be about what? Love. We love everything, right? I love my husband, I love my kids, I love my parents, I love my church. I love warm sausage biscuits from Chick-fil-A and a Diet Coke with lemon on my way to work in the morning. I'm late sometimes because of it a lot too. But I love it, right? I love Sunday afternoon naps, I love Monday night family dinners. I love so many things, but the problem is because love is applied to so many areas of our life, it gets pretty diluted and we have a hard time understanding what it really is and what it's meant to be. But this word was not a generic term. It was a very specific term. And unfortunately, it hasn't translated well to our modern language. In the Greek, there are four types of love, four words that encapsulate what love is. The first one is philo we've talked about it a little bit, that's like bro love. That's like, girl, you looking good today. Like, look at you, man. That's like brotherly love, right? That, that's philo. Number number two, the second is called is storage love. And storage love is an intimate kind of love between a husband and a wife from a parent to a child. It's, it's most commonly referred to in, as family. So that, that's storage love. The third is eros love, which... It's like a lust love, it's an attractional love, it's a physical love. It's actually not talked about in scripture, but it's all around us. We understand where that, that kind of is, this eros love. But this fourth, love, fourth word, this fourth love is agape love. And agape love is unique, it's very specific. I've heard it defined as a love that originates from God. And when Jesus said, I want you to love one another, he was talking about, I want you to agape one another. I don't want you to just have positive feelings towards somebody. I don't just want you to be nice to one another, to high five or hug somebody on the way home from church, to have this bro love, this brotherly love. I want you to learn how to agape one another. It sounds kind of weird. Some of you are like, what does that mean? What does it mean to have this very specific love that Jesus wanted our lives and our church and Christians to be marked by? Well, Jesus knew we were gonna ask. So Jesus places in scripture this very example of what this love means, what it means to live out agape love. And that was what was happening at the beginning of John chapter 13 when Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. He was literally referencing the scene that he had just been a part of, just happened at dinner. Jesus had done something kind of wild there. He had kind of done something controversial because The master came out of his position of power from behind the table and he came out front with this basin to wash his disciples' feet. That was like the job for the lowliest of the low. It was common to wash feet, but it was not common that the master would wash feet. That was agape love. What he was doing in washing the feet of these disciples is he was trying to explain to us, kind of unpackage for us this kind of love he wanted us to be marked by. I want you to think right now in your life as as men, as women of God, as husbands, as wives, as moms, as dads, as friends, chasing Jesus, those who volunteer in church. He's saying the same kind of love I show here at this dinner table, I want you to show for the days to come. So I wanna just break down for you what is special about agape love. Where does it come from? Where does it come from and how do we develop it? Because I don't know about you, but as I move forward in life, I'm, I'm not old, but as I get older, I don't wanna learn a bunch of new skills. But I do know I wanna become a greater expert in love. And maybe that's you today. I think if I do that, my husband and my kids are gonna thank me. I think those who I sit around at work, they're going to thank me. I think ultimately the way I love God, Anchor Church will be a better place for it. The way we love what we're around will be better for it. If we would take this next step in showing this agape, this visible love. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. One, agape love comes from understanding how loved you are by the Father. A lot of people who've been around church for for a while have recognized the story of Jesus washing feet. Maybe you've even seen a pastor wash somebody's feet before. But what a lot of people overlook about this story is the verse that sets up this entire episode. The Bible says, if you look again in John 13, 3, that this is the precursor to the washing of the feet. The Bible says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So in the light of that, he got up from his chair... And he went with this basin of water and washed his feet. But what came first before he did that was a clear understanding of who his father was and who he was in relation to the father. A clear understanding. It's this deep security that comes from knowing that he was loved by the father. A knowledge, it was this revelation, if you will, where he knew where he came from, and he knew where he was returning to. And I believe with all my heart that if we can get this deeper understanding of how much our Father God loves us and approves of us, the natural flow or our natural response will be a greater love for our spouses, for our kids, for our friends, for our church, for the friend that's not here today, for the friend that you need to invite on Easter because they need to hear about the love of Jesus. That's a natural flow. That is what will happen. Because I've seen it way too much in, in my life that those who know love best are the ones who give love the easiest. Let me say that again. Those who know love best are the ones who give love the easiest. You can flip that coin. Maybe it's you. Maybe you've been around someone who's experienced it. But you know, the ones who find it hard to ever really love and to receive love and they, feel, they don't feel secure around those who, who are saying that they love them, they're the ones who, who find it hard to express love Love, or give love, or show visible love. And I like how the point is made here at the beginning of this story that Jesus had the capacity and the ability to show this transformative, this visible, this agape love first and foremost because he knew he was loved by the Father. I mentioned earlier my parents are in the room. Now, many of you can nod and agree that when you meet someone's parents, it all clicks, right, if you know what I mean. If you're dating in the room and you haven't met the parents, don't make the next step until you meet the parents, because then it's all going to make sense. So I can say for myself personally, I believe that I truly understand or have understood this love at a young age because of my upbringing. I was brought up in a loving, affirming encouraging and inspiring a building up one where i understood that love because i knew that love i knew i was loved that way and i believe that a loved individual will love individuals a loved individual will love individuals and maybe you're here today and you're like i can't love cuz i i'm not a loved individual I've not experienced love like that. Let me tell you what Jesus was going through. A couple days later, after this, Mark 14, 35 and 36, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Ah, but Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. It's interesting that Jesus can still call God Abba, Father. Abba, Father is a term for like daddy, like a loving, endearing term when he is considering what's coming. That cup that he's asking, take this cup from me, it involved being beaten within inches of his life, having the crown of thorns jammed into his skull, having flesh ripped off of his back, nails driven through his body, and bearing this wrath of his father. This doesn't exactly sound like he's being loved or protected, not the kind of guy you wanna call daddy. Yet Jesus does, and I think it's shown here again, it's because Jesus knew his father better than we do. It's another picture of this truth that he knows his father. He knows a truth that we have to keep in mind when we're going through a rough time. If we can't keep in mind that we're loved by the father, this season of suffering We can't get through it and maybe you're there today and you just need to be reminded and let me just tell you this, you are loved. Agape love begins with an understanding of how God agaped for you. You weren't loved because you were lovely. You were loved because he is love. You weren't loved because you earned it. You got enough stamps on your little car and you get this cup of love today, no. That's not why you're loved. You got love from God because he is love and just the truth is he can't help himself. When that's who you are, you can't help yourself. So I'm gonna tell you this, God can't help but love you. So for the love of God, stop whatever you're doing right now and know that you are loved. And if you're loved by just one person, believe it, that you were loved by God. We're not gonna celebrate the resurrection because he didn't love you. We're not gonna talk about welcoming him here in this presence and the things he wants to do in your life because he didn't love you. He does everything to show you that he loves you and I just wanna open the door for you to say, let him love you. Receive it so you can be an individual that loves. The second thing in this text is that agape love can only be given from a posture of humility. It can only be given from a posture of humility because see what happens in verse four is that Jesus knows that he's loved by the Father and he's secure in this heavenly relationship. He had come from the creator of the universe and he was going back to sit at the right hand and after that, he got out of his chair. His position of power changed and he took on this role of servant and before he knew it, God of the universe, Jesus literally took on this role He's washing the crud off of these teenage boys' feet. The same God that flung the stars into the sky is scraping some dirt off and getting between their nasty toenails because their feet were disgusting. He did it very deliberately because he wanted you to know you need to quit swallowing the lies that the world gives you that it's about this ladder. It's about everybody doing for you and getting and receiving. Quit it. That is the lie that the world wants to tell you, stop. It is not about any of those things. You are never gonna be able to taste what is agape love if you can't get off the dang ladder. I'm about to go, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you gotta get off. You'll never get it, you can't do both. You can't do both. If you're crazy enough to just humble yourself and suck up your pride, get over yourself and remove yourself from that position of power that you might have worked really hard to get. Because humility fosters the kind of love that we were meant to be marked by. Humility will also foster the kind of love that the world needs to see to get to know who Jesus is. It can't be developed in a place of pride. It must come from a posture of humility. Pride's a tough one. Two hands for me. Pride's a tough one. Every now and then, me and Justin get time, just the two of us to talk. And sometimes, not all the time, we talk about us and what are things we can work on, maybe goals, what are things we need to get better at, and we kind of talk to each other openly, and nine times out of 10, we both come back with pride. We gotta get rid of our pride. Pride stops us from being better and experiencing the scape love that God has intended for us to have. And I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter about him being a pastor, me leading, I'm a school principal, all those things don't matter because I'm gonna suck as a wife and as a mom if I can't get over the pride. All these other things don't even matter, but at that root, that core, that doesn't matter until I get over that. He also says that agape love must bubble into service. Agape love must bubble into service. In verse five, so Jesus steps out of his position of power and falls on his knees and begins to wash the disciples' feet and he dries it with that towel. It always eventually expresses itself into visible action, acts of service. We don't get here at 7.45 in the morning and eight o'clock on Sunday mornings because we want to. It's because we understand agape love and, and, and we want to because of that. It's not because we just decided, oh, I'm going to like to do this. It's because we understand the agape love. Those anchor kids, they miss this service all the service all the time. They're over there to give you an hour of uninterrupted Jesus and you time, but they're over there because they understand this agape love and they want to serve. It's this agape love. It bubbles over into this visible expression of service. If I sent a crew around with you to record you for the week? What kind of visible action of of love would they see? What kind of agape love would they see? When I ask myself that question, I quickly wanna just throw my heart back to Christ and say, fix me, change me. The last point I wanna make is that agape love alone has the ability to bring forth the kind of life that Jesus wants to bring. It's not a program. It's not a talk, it's not a special conference. It's the only thing though that can bring forth the transformative life that Jesus wants you to experience. It's agape love. Verse eight, Peter's trying to be really brave and and we've learned about Peter a little bit with his brashness and his bravado. He says, Jesus, no, you can't wash my feet, I'm good. You're Jesus, I'm Peter. In fact, I'm disgusted that my boys are letting you wash their feet. Jesus said, but Peter, you don't get it. Unless you allow me to show you this agape love, you'll never experience the life that I came to give you. It's not only the washing of your feet, but but in me dying on the cross for your sins, this agape will literally breed life. And I want you to get this today within your being that When we become men and women that are empowered by the Spirit, that are following His voice and living fearlessly, being marked by faith, we begin to show agape love to one another. And you know what results in that? What results is life. Life for our marriages, life for our children, life for our ministries, life for our church because agape love always produces life. So the challenge is this. Let's not just sit here today and nod our heads and say, yeah, I want to love. Yeah, I got that. How about if we said, I don't seek to be an expert in much in life, but man, I want to be an expert when it comes to love. And not just a nice love or a polite love or a brotherly love, but a radical transformative love, an agape love, a visible love. I want to implore you when you Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.